Thanks for joining us for another great message from Futures Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to futures.church. And now for our message. Let's jump straight into the Word. Uh, uh, We started a series, Pastor Tony kicked us off last week, a series called I Have a Conviction. And um, what we're wanting to do is just help go deep into some different topics every week not to give you the full conviction or our full understanding of any of these topics, but if anything, to stir you to go deeper in the Word yourself and get a conviction what God says about different things. And we're never gonna cover every topic everyone wants us to cover, except for to show that the Bible is where we base our convictions. Because let's be real, this world we live in is filled with belief and persuasion and opinion and some conviction. And what we need is we need us to be a church that's strong, that's united, that's Bible-based, that's certain that as we hold on to truth displayed in love, we need conviction. And can I say, the world needs you to have conviction. If you're in school, your school needs you to have conviction. Your workplace, your university, they need you to have conviction. So we're intentionally pressing some buttons and hitting some different topics to help you to go and think and go deeper into the Word. A conviction, if we were to say, what is it just simply? A conviction is something you to believe, something you believe to be so true, something you're so convinced is true that you'll stand on it regardless of the consequences. You actually don't really know if you have a conviction until it's tested, until it's pressured, until other people begin to doubt or question or popular opinion goes in a different direction. Only then do you discover whether what you believe is a conviction or an opinion. And as Pastor Tony showed us last week, our convictions have to be built on the Word of God. Amen? That the only convictions we can have have to be on the Word because life storms and pressures and, and opinions and thoughts will come. Difficulty comes. Trouble comes, pain comes, rejection comes, and it's only then do we get to test, is my life built on the Word of God or on opinion? And if I have conviction built on the Word, it allows me to have courage. So tonight at 5 p.m., We've got Pastor Simon Van Niekirk from our Clare campus coming. He's done an amazing, doing amazing work up there in Clare and a great teacher. He's actually gonna come and talk about I have a conviction on eternity. And we're gonna talk about heaven and hell and, and, and God's plan that all would be saved, but how we step towards an eternal life. And, and, and I encourage you to come because it's not always an easy one, but we can't just have opinion or hope or preference. We have to have conviction, amen. Today and this morning, I'm gonna talk on a topic that's one of the hardest topics to have a conviction on, and it's the area of pain. Today, I wanna talk about pain and trauma and suffering and weeping and and trouble that comes from loneliness and mistakes and sickness and misrepresentation and lack and hurt and rejection and fear. Because we all go through pain. And today, if anything, I wanna recognise for some of us that the pain you're walking through is real. And that to be a good Christian is not to be absent from pain, but in fact, what do I do with my pain and who do I trust with my pain? Not that you won't have it. 
It's not the faithless that have pain and trauma. It's not those that didn't pray hard enough. And Matthew tells us, Matthew 5, he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. And we'll put it on the screen if we can. It says, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Though we all experience pain and trauma and difficulty and, and therefore you need to gain a conviction. And I wanna encourage you today, you need to gain a conviction not from my teaching, but let my teaching just be a doorway for you to go to the Word and the Holy Spirit yourself to get a conviction based on what He says, not just what I say. In fact, it's so important in this area and in so many areas of life, we don't just get conviction from what your pastor said. Now, you should trust, I hope you're in, you're in church where you can trust your pastor's teaching based from the Word and Holy Spirit revelation. But let that not be enough. Go to the Word and read as well. Teach, and, teach yourself and learn and grow deep yourself. Don't just take on principles or just wrote, memorize Scripture that you were taught from your parents, but now go in and graft it and understand it in a way that it now applies to your life also. So as I talk about this today, I'm actually... Contrary to what I normally do, I like a good story and or telling something I've gone through or sharing a testimony of someone else's. I'm actually not even gonna do that at all today because it's pain and trauma is the one place where your story's relative to you. And it's how, how do you compare to someone else's pain and difficulty? And if I can, there's so many people that have a greater authority through the pain, loss and trauma you've walked through than maybe I've walked through in certain areas. So here today is not to compare one trauma to another or one lack or one loss or one pain, but just to go, what does God say? And where is God in my pain and trauma so I can walk from here and get a firm conviction to stand on when it happens because it does happen to all of us. Is that okay? See, pain and suffering is probably one of the most diverse areas we will have in life, both for good and bad. As being a pastor for a number of years now, I've looked over those, whatever it is, you know, 17 years or so, and I've seen some people that have been dealt the exact same difficulty and trauma as someone else, and two different people or families can respond totally differently. Uh, we can all have difficulty, but it's how we respond and what we do with it. I've seen some people in those moments of pain and loss push others away. And we understand. But at the same time, I've seen others allow it to be a place where they let others draw closer. I've seen some people harden their heart through pain, but other people get a softened heart. I've seen some people and heard through their mouth all of the bad because of the pain and trauma, but others through their pain and trauma suddenly start to see all of the good that there is in life. It can make some people bitter and it can make this other people through the, going through the exact same thing more compassionate. I've heard amazing stories of people coming to find Jesus because they went through difficulty and lack and loss I've seen them walk into a church saying, it's here, I had no other answer but to turn to God. But at the same time, I've seen people that have known God all of their life and then suddenly when they went through pain and trauma, turn and walk away from Him and walk from the church. So therefore, it, it can't just be the suffering, but what we do with it that matters. We, when it comes to pain and trauma and difficulty, we can't be passive with it but we actually have to decide how do we respond and how do we intend to respond when it comes based on conviction, amen? Because 
Once it comes and the wind blows and the floods rise and the rain pours, as we heard it, it's there we find out whether we have conviction or opinion. Because conviction has to be based on a principle for us as Christians that's found in the Word. If it doesn't measure up to Scripture, for us it's not a conviction. However, opinion is based on preference. And for me, when it comes to pain, it's not my preference is that I won't have it. When it comes to loss and difficulty, I have a preference, but that's not enough because it does come. And when it does come, I have to have a conviction. You see, I think most of the opinions we have on pain and suffering have to do with the culture we grow up in. So here in Australia, we grow up in a Western society or a Western culture. And most of our views on pain and trauma are actually not about pain and trauma, they're actually about eternity. You see, here in Australia, in our Western culture, we have a secular society, which doesn't mean we don't believe in God. It just means we're not totally sure. Uh, not us here at the church, but like in the, in the world we live in. And therefore, there could be an eternity, but we're not sure. So in our Western society, we live for now. We live for ease. And therefore, whenever we have a threat to that and we have pain and trauma, it threatens our way of living for now and living for ease because we're not so sure about eternity. And suffering, when it comes along, actually destroys our goals rather than it have meaning. So as a result, because we live for now and not for what will be, we do everything in our Western culture to avoid pain and trauma. We do everything we can to avoid suffering and we try to protect others from experiencing suffering. So what we do is we cover it, we eliminate it because this is what I have, my life is all that I have. We try and dull the effects of it. So we medicate, we use substances, we, have, we use alcohol, we, uh, uh, we get busy with work, we constantly flick through reels, we, we drown it out with noise, we shop, we party, we, we do anything to get noise in our life to dull the noise of pain and suffering. But imagine if I broke my broke my foot again, and, but, but I never noticed. Or imagine if I was being abused, but never realised. Imagine if I was in lack, but unaware. Imagine if I saw injustice, but had no emotion or response. While I wouldn't have the pain or the suffering, I would actually be less human, because to have pain and suffering is, to, to feel pain and suffering, is to be human. See, the truth is, pain and suffering brings clarity. It moves us from short-sightedness to those things that are most important. It creates an empathy. It moves us towards healing. It, it creates safe boundaries. It allows us to change, and ultimately, it should draw us nearer to God. So in our Western culture, we avoid pain and suffering. But if you were to look in Eastern cultures, and, and there'd be some of us here today that would come from a more Eastern culture, they have a very different perspective on pain and suffering because they have a very different perspective on eternity. That for most Eastern cultures, faith and religion is quite prominent, different to Christianity often, and those faiths see eternity or reincarnation or enlightenment or paradise or Valhalla or whatever it is, they see that as a reward for this life. And the more you have suffered, the more you are rewarded. 
In fact, pain and suffering is to be welcomed. It is to be endured because it prepares me, it refines me and it rewards me for the afterlife. So Eastern culture says, endure pain and suffering. Western culture says, avoid pain and suffering. What does a kingdom Bible-based Christian culture say? Because my preference is one thing, but my conviction has to be another. See, the Bible actually gives us a more holistic and whole perspective that recognises that eternity is my great reward while also recognising that right now he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. See, when we look at what the Bible says, it actually shows us both. And if we're honest, we all have a bent. We all have an extreme and we all have a way we want it to go. So what do we see in the Scripture? And today, I could teach for months on just the Scriptures alone of what it talks about. The Bible is filled with conversation around pain and trauma and suffering because it's part of life. You see, as Christians, on one hand, we believe in the resurrection. We believe in the resurrection, amen? And we believe that it's not just a reincarnation or it's just not falling asleep. We believe it's life. We believe it's food. We believe it's fellowship. We believe it's singing. We believe it's dancing. We believe it's love. We believe it's worship, amen? Yet at the same time, Jesus on earth healed and celebrated and sang and danced and worshipped and ate and loved right here and encourages us to do the same. So which one is it? It's both. You see, on one hand, He is the great physician. He is Rapha, my healer. He is Jireh, my provider. He is, he is Shalom, my peace. He is near to the brokenhearted and His ear is attentive to my needs and pain right now. Yet Hebrews tells me that Jesus, son though He was, learnt obedience through what He suffered. See, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Which one is it? It's found in the perfect harmony of both. See, He is your refuge. And when you walk through pain and suffering, we hide in His wings. Psalms tells me that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Yet in eternity, it's only there that we find out what Revelation promises when it says to us that He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death, nor mourning, nor crying, nor pain for the old order of things has passed away. So the question is, do we avoid pain and suffering, believing in healing and ease, thinking that the only indicator of a truly loving God is that He heals me? Meaning that if God loves me, He must heal me. And if He doesn't heal or provide for me, then He doesn't truly love me. Or do I go to the extreme of just accepting what I have as my lot in life and that God is sovereign and I cannot ask, I just trust that it will all work out in the end? Which one is it? I actually think it's both. You see, Jesus showed this both and here and when we read Scripture, it has to be read in tension. And if we don't read the Scripture and pain and suffering in tension, we will have a bent and ultimately we could end up being disappointed or not including God. See, the Bible reveals on one hand that God didn't create our pain. Jesus never gave us pain and suffering. So we would have to agree that 
Our pain and suffering are a result of our sin and our humanity, amen? Yet, when the disciples come to Jesus and they ask about a man's blindness, and they say, Rabbi, uh, uh, whose sin caused, and we'll put it on the screen, whose sin caused this man's blindness? Was it his sin or did this happen because of his sin or his parents? And Jesus says, neither. This man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so the work of God might be displayed in his life. You might say, well, that's, that's, that's nice. That's New Testament. It's in the Old Testament too, when Job has suffered incredibly and is mourning as he should and his friends get around him and they're like, Job, what did you do? And God turns up and rebukes his friend because Job never brought it on himself. So was it our humanity or was it not? You see, we have to get the balance of this right because it is a consequence of humanity's sin, but equally so, it's not a punishment for your sin. You see, do I see and view my suffering and pain in the light of eternity or in the hope of healing and wholeness and provision now? I believe it's both. And the only way I believe it can be both is if you understand this principle, that God is sovereign, amen? But we have to understand next to that that God suffered. And I, without understanding that He suffered, I don't fully appreciate that He is sovereign. See, His eternal plan does go beyond your and my current pain. He is sovereign. But He is also a God who suffered, so He relates and understands and is close to what you're going through. You see, without Him being a suffering God, I'm alone in my dark night of the soul. But it's only because He is sovereign that I can trust the rising of the sun tomorrow. And it's there that I have to walk in the tension of knowing both and standing on a full conviction as I walk through what all of us will walk through. So let me just talk on both for a moment. Are you okay? I'm just teaching today. But this is the point, it's to help you to go deeper in your week. So God's a sovereign God because the Bible doesn't explain everything. The Bible doesn't show us and all of us why we all suffer and why we endure hardships and trials. I don't have as a pastor and I don't have from the Word an answer on everything. But I also don't need to understand everything because I'm not sovereign, He is. I want to know why I lost or why I haven't yet or why I'm going through or why I went through. Yet at the same time, I don't have to understand the why and when because He requires me to trust that His character is good, that His timing is perfect, that as Romans tells us in chapter eight, that we know He works all things for good for those who love Him. And that eternity ultimately is our reward and eternity is forever. So it's only when I trust that He is sovereign and I am not, that I get presented the opportunity to grow in compassion and thankfulness and kindness and selflessness that actually makes me more like Jesus, not just get what I want from Jesus. And that He uses my trust in Jesus to then ultimately be a witness for others because the truth is it's often our pain and suffering that will be our greatest witness to others than it is our good times, which leads to eternal life, which is forever. So what we have to do is what it says in Job is we have to trust that God will complete a good work. Amen? 
So God's sovereign. So we don't know every answer and church, that's okay. Because what you're going through and what you face to what we each face is real, but I don't have to know it all. There just some, aren't some explanations and some things we won't know. But this I know, God is good. He can turn it for good. He is close. He has not abandoned you so you can trust and hope in His sovereignty. Amen? Amen. Yet while I understand one side, I also have to understand that God also suffered. You see, Jesus came to this earth to be abandoned, to be rejected, to be hurt, to feel pain, to suffer, and to know death. Can I say, what is amazing about God, I don't have time to unpack this, but God feels like you feel. What's incredible is that God who feels gave you free will, which means He gave us the ability to hurt God and reject God, but also include God. But that's a whole nother thing. But if God feels, you can feel. And and as you go through what you've gone through, you're allowed to feel it. You're allowed to walk through it because your pain is real. One Peter says this about a God who also suffered. We'll put it up, he says, he says, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. So Christ also suffered. That he might, say it with me, bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in spirit. See, he suffered so that while we suffer, he can understand, but also not leave you there, but make you alive in spirit. You see, this is what we can know when we look at Jesus. He is a friend to the lonely because he was also abandoned. And he is living water for the thirsty because he also thirsts. And he is the physician for your wounds because he was also wounded. And he has peace for your worry because he also had to drink from that bitter cup. So not only do we have a God and a Holy Spirit now that walks with us, that leads us to eternal life, we also have a Holy Spirit that is our comforter, amen? So Romans 8 shows us this, and let me unpack it. Romans 8, 26 says, in the same way, in the same way as Jesus, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know, I love this, Because sometimes you feel so bad that you don't have enough faith. And if you just had enough faith, you'd get your miracle. Sometimes when you're walking through your pain and suffering, you don't know what to pray. And the Bible recognises that. And it says, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Now, that's a bit hard to understand. But when you look in the original language, let me unpack it in just a simple way to understand today. It means this, when we suffer... The Holy Spirit closely identifies with your pain and suffering and comes alongside us in a personal and meaningful, empowering way and He sustains your burden. And He fills your pain and He prays with you with groaning that is too deep for words. It's like, have you ever felt pain so deep or loss so real that there was no words. The Holy Spirit not only hears your prayers, 
He feels your pain and prays with you in the exact same way, in groanings that are too deep for words. Because He is sovereign and He has a plan to turn it for good. But He also suffered, which means He is in control, but He also understands so you can trust. Amen? Amen. Maybe just the keys can come. So what do we do with our pain? Well, I don't pretend to be a counsellor, a psychologist, and there are numbers of them in this room that understand if I could do this in one 35-minute message, they'd be out of a job. But it doesn't work that way. But today I can give you some biblical principles and convictions that I have that I think as you dive deep into in your own time, you have a foundation to stand on. Amen? Amen. Are you doing okay today? We can do real in church, right? So what do we do with our pain and our suffering? The first thing is you have to recognise your pain. It's important to recognise your pain. I probably grew up in an age and time, and I think it's probably a bit better for our kids these days, but where you didn't recognise when you were hurting, where you just ate some concrete, toughened up and got on with the job. You never were willing to admit, I'm, 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 I'm hurting or I'm, I'm lonely or I'm lost or I'm broken. And I think that's unhealthy. So what you have to be able to do is first recognise that you have pain and suffering. Because if we don't recognise it, then we never get the second opportunity, which is to invite God on the journey with us. Sometimes we're inviting God on a journey that we haven't even opened up to ourselves about. Sometimes it's just being real with ourselves that this is unfair, this hurts, and it's real. You gotta recognise it. But can I go to the other side for a moment? Well, you need to recognise that you're not to fear pain and suffering. Because the truth is, all of this has to do with eternity without us even realising. So what we do is we fear the consequences of pain and suffering. But what if God never heals my body? What if, what if this never changes? Or what if I, what if I don't meet? Or what, what if I never understand? And I, and I can take comfort in, while it doesn't take things away that, that God never gave us a spirit of fear. 1 Timothy says it this way, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. So I have to recognise my pain, but I'm not to fear the consequences of it. A simple example is found in the story Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, where their culture and their leader said, bow down to this idol, and if you don't, you'll be thrown into a furnace. Uh, the, The Romans persecuted through crucifixion, the Jews through stoning, the Babylonians through burning. Uh, Australia happens through intimidation. We bow down or burn, pain and suffering, and with that would have come fear. But these three guys who had a conviction on the second commandment, you should not worship any other God but Him, said, we will not bow, and our God will rescue us. He's close. But they said, but if he does not, if he does not, even if he does not, everyone say, even if, even if he does not, we will not bow down and worship you. You see, what we need when we face the consequences of the things we fear is an even if spirit. Even if I don't get healed in this life, 
even if it doesn't come to pass, even if I don't get understanding, even if I never see them again. See, what happens when you replace your what if with an even if, it's not that your circumstances change, it's your perspective on who you're focusing on changes. See, when you live with a what if I don't get healed, you're focusing on the sickness. When you say, what if they don't find Him? What if I don't get an answer? What if I don't get closure? That's real. You're recognising what you're feeling, but you're putting fear in the consequence. But instead of putting fear in the consequence, we need to put faith in the one that is sovereign and understands our suffering and have an even if spirit. It's taking an uncertain future, which is real, and putting it on an unchanging promise and an unchanging person. So we swap our prayer of what if God to even if I will praise you. It's elevating what I know over what I fear because fear is not from God. But pain and suffering, which is real, will reveal where our faith is in what I'm going through or in the one that takes me through. So I have to recognise my pain, but don't fear it. The second thing, just simply, and there's so much more, but today you understand it's time. Don't do pain alone. Don't do pain alone. Uh, Psalm says, uh, Proverbs, sorry, 17 verse 17 says, a friend loves at all time, at times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Why we've got to be in church and small group and community and have good people around us is because the right friend comforts you and hopes with you and prays with you and stops your mind and your mouth and your spirits going to the wrong places. You actually need to be surrounded by good people. But at the same time, we have to be there for other people. Australia, we're the pat on the back, she'll be right, mate, move on. I don't wanna know your problems because we avoid pain and trauma in ourselves and others. But the truth is we also have to be able to recognise when someone else is going through it and be compassionate. And do what Jesus does for us, lift, our, lift their arms, pray for them, stand with them, weep with them. The early church were known for being compassionate. This church needs to be known for being compassionate too, amen? And finally, You've got to have the courage to process through it. You've got to recognise your feelings, but not feel them. Not, no, not fear them. You'll feel them. <laughs> don't do it alone. Don't let others do it alone. But the last one is you've got to process through it, and that takes courage. So let me give you a couple things that are okay. Number one, struggling with God is okay. It is better to struggle with God than struggle without God. Yeah. You see, Weeping is okay. It's not faithless. It's actually the pathway to receiving the joy that can only come from God. There's no need to deny that what you face sometimes is impossibly hard. Jesus understands. I mean, have you read some of the Psalms lately? They're not all fluff and bubbles. They're not all victorious. There's some Psalms that are utter torment and difficulty and pain, yet the Holy Spirit allowed them to be placed in there. I think just to let you know, struggling is okay. So it's there that you get the opportunity to draw close to God. And what happens if you're able to struggle with God, you can learn to trust God. Psalm five, Psalm, uh, Romans 5 verse 3 says, uh, uh, sorry, Romans 5 verse 3. Uh, it says this, it says, but we rejoice in, everyone say in, in our suffering. I've, I've heard too many people say this wrong. You should rejoice for your suffering because then you're gonna learn. 
It doesn't say for, it says in. I'm not thankful for the sickness, but in it, I'm thankful that He's with me, that He's sovereign and He understands. It's in it that I can learn to trust Him because He has my future in His hands, but He's with me right now. And He's turning this for good, which means if I can suffer with Him and then trust Him, I can pray. Prayer is the greatest weapon to come out of your pain. When you walk through pain, let it lead you to prayer. Psalm 121, verse one to two. I lift my eyes. You can see the prayer. They're just wondering what's gonna happen. I lift my eyes to the mountain. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. It's only in prayer that I take that uncertainty and I place it in the one that is certain. It's here, when you're in prayer, you begin to prioritise. I prioritise worship. I prioritise His Word. I prioritise His house. I prioritise my friends. I prioritise family. I prioritise eternity. And it's here as I finish and the team come, I I get led to hope. Because ultimately through it all, I need to have hope. It's where Psalm 62 says, yes, my soul find rest in God. My hope comes from Him. And then watch this as we come to the beginning. Truly He is my rock, my conviction, my Word. He is the one it's all built on. He is my rock and my salvation, the Sovereign One. He is my fortress and when the pressures and trauma and pain and difficulty comes, I won't be shaken. You see, there is pain and there is trauma and there is suffering and weeping that does come from trouble and misunderstanding and lack and misrepresentation and sickness and hurt and rejection. But it's not that we have courage in us or our feelings or our emotions or our current realities. It's that we have a sovereign God who has it in His hand, but He is also a suffered God that understands my pain. So today, it's not that you have to have every answer because I certainly don't. But this is why we need the Word of God and the person of Jesus to stand on conviction that will soften our hearts and lead us to compassion and draw others close to God. 1 Peter says it this way, And the grace of God, both the eternal and the current, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while. Will Himself, proximity, restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. Amen. That our present sufferings won't compare to the glory that will be revealed. Come on, stand to your feet with me today. We're gonna worship. Our present sufferings, they are real. But because He's close and because He's eternal, won't compare to the glory that will be revealed now and forevermore. Because we have Jesus and more importantly, because Jesus has us, that is our conviction, amen. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. 
So he sent his son Jesus to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, he said, I will take their place. So he died and rose again so that his death could pay the penalty for my mistakes and my past and his life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what, the past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the Word of God go with you from this day forward, and I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer, or you wanna know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.